0: Well, today, as we, we're in week 11, book of Revelation, um, and we have a few more weeks to go, um, I've enjoyed it. I particularly enjoyed today um, unpacking things that I've never preached this detailed through the book of Revelation before. And as we've started this series, we said from the get go that the goal of this is that we would be changed, not just informed that this will change us along the way, that the truth of this will change how we act, change what our our belief, change our view of Jesus, change a lot of things as far as how, if this is going to happen, what am I going to be doing in the process? That's why we ask the question, are you going to be ready or are you going to be raptured and removed? Because how you view this, if you think you're going to have a front row seat, You're going to act differently right now than if you think you're going to walk through this. You will prepare differently. You will prepare your kids differently. You will prepare your grandchildren differently of what faith is. And we'll see that a little bit today as well. We also said that no matter how crazy it is today, no matter how chaotic it is tomorrow, truth is God wins. I've enjoyed getting some emails from you all. Tell them just that's how you've signed your emails at the end. God wins. We know the end of the story. We know how this is all going down. And so that should encourage us because this day of the Lord, it's going to be glorious, but it's going to be horrible all at the same time. Nothing like the humankind has ever seen in its history. Throughout the book of Revelation, we've had this divine paradox where God is just busily trying to save his people from his own wrath. He's given opportunity, opportunity. We'll see that, that, that window begin to close even further today. And last week we talked about the victory. The victory is ours because we're chosen, called, and are faithful. And today I want to focus in on this truth that God is the ultimate avenger. Not like the Avengers on the TV or the movie theater. Even though I saw an Avenger had a big A and a big red shield, but then it had a crown on the corner of the A. I said, that's pretty cool. But I don't think God would wear that. But God is the ultimate Avenger when it comes to this stuff. And we'll see that throughout scriptures today. So the question I want to to ask ourselves is this. What would you do if the entire world, as you know it, Stopped. Now, you're going to say, it has, the pandemic, it's everything stopped. It hasn't stopped. I mean, it's slowed down. You know, there are things that have stopped. You haven't gone to movies. You haven't eaten inside very often, all those things. I mean, some things have stopped. and may never go back, who knows, uh, with all that, that is going down. But I mean stopped. You went home and the Internet's gone. You can't get on Amazon today. Some of your worlds would instantly change at that point in time. I mean, no Super Bowl, you can't watch it because everything's gone. There's no power grid's out. Now, I'm saying this, I don't, I don't want any of that stuff to happen. I don't want the stock, the stock market to, to fail and employees losing their job and employers losing their business. But what if everything we know from, from comfort, leisure, entertainment, recreation, boom, shut down? I'm thinking that that would put us under some stress because I think we are more tied to those things that we want to care to admit. I think we are really, if we're honest, I and mean, I like my luxury, I like my entertainment, I like the fact I got a big screen TV and maybe watching the game today. I like, I, can, I enjoy comfort, I do enjoy comfort. I mean, I, but how tied I am to this because in the book of Revelation 18, chapter 18, all gone. And I think we're tied to it because when I hear people talk about, well, when I get to heaven, is it, is it going to be like eternal skiing? Like I'll be skiing the slopes of Pluto. Is it going to be I can eat chocolate as much as I want, not gain a pound? Will I golf forever and eternal greens forever? Because we're always talking about all the luxury things we're going to be doing. Or I hear people talk about, well, I want Jesus to come back, but after I get married, or after I have sex, or after I have children, or, or after I retire, or after I get that new bike, or whatever, we always put, God, wait, just a little bit longer. Let me experience all the comfort, luxuries, things that I want. But I think that is tied into us much more than we care to admit. And maybe it's a sobering realization of that, but when we come to chapter 18, everything that people gave their time and attention and money to were gone. Now, in 17, we talked about spiritual Babylon. In chapter 18, we're going to be talking about commercial Babylon, uh, of the money. So if you have your smartphone devices or what, Bibles, turn to Revelation. We're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 18. And this is what it says. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the, and, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. Now, if you remember back in Revelation 6, we talked about the bowls being dispersed, that there was the bowl, the fifth bowl, was everything went dark. Darkness fell on the land, on the entire earth. So many commentators said that that's the setting of this. So can you imagine darkness everywhere and all of a sudden this angel in all splendor where all the earth could see. And it says there in verse two, with a mighty voice he shouted, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her. And the merchants of the mighty angel speaks in such a voice that everyone can hear. It's no mistake. And he says, fallen, fallen is Babylon. Now in your study Bibles, and even if you have the Bible app, there's usually at this stage, at, at points in the scripture, you'll see like a little cue at the end of the verse. If you tap that, that will go back to the Old Testament passage that this is based on because this is quoting Isaiah 21. In Isaiah 21, when Isaiah's writing, he's writing about Babylon being destroyed. But it's the Babylon of that day. But like many prophecies, it's not only speaking to times that they're in, but also times that will come because this destruction is worse than Isaiah ever predicted it to be. Because Babylon... Will become this hangout for demons, if you will. Remember the 200,000 demons that showed up, whose mission will be to inspire extreme wickedness, sexual immorality, and uncontrolled luxury. Babylon sin is that they were enticing others, corrupting others, into their sin. That was the draw. Religion had its draw, but materialism, money. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, that type of thing, all of a sudden is the draw here. And they were causing those who were drawn in to sin. And when I'm studying this word, you know, passages come to mind and also I thought of Matthew where Jesus said, and he's saying this to the disciples, says, But if anyone causes, in Matthew 18 six, but if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. It would be better for him to have a large millstone. Now, this millstone will come at the end of of Revelation 18. They have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. It'd be better for him. You cause one of these little ones, and he had little kids. Keep these from me. I'm telling you, it'd better off for you to tie this massive five to six foot tall rock that weighs ton, and put that around your neck and throw yourself in the ocean than cause one of these to stumble. That's what Babylon was doing to the world. It was drawing them into the sin. And that's why verse four and five of Revelation 18 says this, then I heard another voice from heaven say, come out of her. He's speaking to Babylon now. Come out of her, my people, the believers in Jesus. Not only those 144,000 that we know were there and not only those Christians and Jews and Gentiles who came to Christ, but he's saying, come out of there so that you will not share in her sins. Now watch this. So that you will not receive any of the plagues, for her sin, sins are piling up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. That you will not share in her sins, because that's what Babylon was doing. It was corrupting one by one. And you have to think about this now, because at this time, and, and this is toward the end of the, the tribulation period. You know, how much water is gone, how many oceans are gone, how many, I mean, all this is gone, and so. You're a believer in Christ, and you see Babylon that has food, that has all these things. What are you going to be drawn to? And so this is this call. As a matter of fact, this is one of the last calls from God, to come out of the city believers. Do not be tainted by that sin. Do not be drawn into that because it's so easily drawn into. Compromise with the world. With worldliness is a fatal thing, guys. I mean, it's deadly. It's powerful to compromise. And even then, God's calling his, his people out. Jesus said, again, hey when you see these things happen, flee to the hills. Don't run to the cities. And this power that, that is there, that's why Paul writes in Ephesians 5.11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, to flee from them. Because they have a power. There's this incredible, almost an influence that cannot be shedded because of your circumstances, because of everything going around. You think there's going to be safety there. You think maybe if I'm in Babylon, I won't be persecuted by Babylon. If I'm a part of the system, maybe I can blend in with people. Flee, he says. Get out of the city. Because judgment's coming. The great avenger is coming. And the pronouncement is made in verse six when he says, give back to her. As she is given, pay her back double for what she has done. Mix her a double portion from her own cup. This double portion means a double double. It's double and then some, her own cup. Give her as much torture and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart, she boasts, I sit as a queen. I am not a widow. I will never mourn. The ultimate avenger here, God is that, is saying, guys, this, this, this is not about revenge. This is retribution. This is judgment and, and, and wrath that has been stored up through time. God has been saying it from Genesis on. It's coming, and it's coming, and it's coming, and now it's going to be poured out. He says, torture her. Give her grief. As the glory and luxury she gave herself. There's basically three three sins that you're gonna see in here. Give her as much torture. Go, let's go back go back back to, back to Revelation there. Go back to the verse. Give her as much torture and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. One. Heart that she boasts, there's pride that she's saying I'm not a widow I will never mourn so there's there's three sins there's pride here there's self gratification and there's self sufficiency all of which we tend to lean towards pride pride is the most talked about sin in the entire bible number 1 I'm not saying it's the one number one sin it's the number one talked about in the bible because pride is a, you can be so humble you're prideful. I mean, if you think about it, no, no, I don't deserve any of that. I was just serving the Lord. Pride! I mean, it just instantly comes back and grabs you. Pride. That's why Proverbs, in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And she would just boast. This is talking about Babylon now. Self gratification. She just. Love to pour luxury on herself. And then self sufficiency. What's interesting, the self sufficiency, when it says that I'm a queen, that's taken from Isaiah 47, verse 7 says this You said, I will continue forever the glory, inter- the eternal queen. But did you not consider these things or reflect on what might happen? Now then, listen, you. I am, longing, comma. Who, who, who's the I am of the Bible? Yeah, God. Jesus said, I am, comma, taking God's name, and there is none besides me. I will never be a widow or suffer the loss of children. I will never mourn the illusion that I've got it all. I'm prosperous. I'm gonna. Have the, I'm just gonna pour luxury upon myself, and you can't touch me. And I'm wondering how much of that is true of us. I mean, look at Babylon. She's going to be judged for that. But how easy it is for us to be prideful. How easy it is to pour luxury out on ourselves. Guys, I'm not saying it's not bad to you know, do nice things or have nice things. But all of a sudden, that's my goal in life—is how much I can pour on myself. If all of a sudden the goal in my life is I'm self-sufficient, I did it. I did it my way. I took care of this. I built my fur. Okay, I built my business. I bought this stuff. That all of a sudden, this is the pride built up in Babylon, and Babylon will be cursed. How much of that exists in us? Because honestly, all of us. Uh, are creatures that want stuff. We do. And the judgment comes in verse 8: Therefore, in one day her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning, and famine. She'll be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges. One day, this is that one day, you'll see one hour. It's not going to be this length of time. Just like the bowls were quickly dealt out, so will this take place. Verses nine says, when the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her. Terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry, whoa, whoa, oh great city, oh Babylon, city of power. In one hour, your doom has come. And between verses 9 and, ch- and verse 17, you're going to have three groups of people. You have the kings, you have the merchants, and you have the, the sailors. All mourning, all weeping, all saddened that Babylon has been destroyed. And the thought hit me. Sitting in my, in my poker room, on Wednesday. I'm going, wait a minute now. In chapter 17... Religious Babylon fell, but no one mourned that. There was no crying, there's no mourning, there's no sadness. But when material Babylon falls, the kings and the merchants and the they're all mourning because none of the great city's gone, all our stuff is gone. I thought, which is more powerful? Which has more control over us? Religion? or materialism. I mean, religion has power. I mean, it can give you guilt. It, it can scare you. You know, there's judgment and hell and all that. But money? Paul says this in 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money. Money is not evil. All right? It's what money does to you that's evil. You get a little money in your pocket, all all of a sudden you're thinking about what stuff you're gonna buy or what I'm gonna get or what I can gain. I mean, it's it's a powerful thing, money is. Not evil unto itself, it's what it does to you. Now watch this, it's gonna prove which is more powerful because some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves for many grief. Religion couldn't hold it because money came along. pulls them away that's the power of stuff cuz we're covetous creatures i mean we always want what we don't got that's why when the bible says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn we got that second part down pretty good we can mourn with those who are mourning but rejoice with those who are rejoicing, who got the new car, who, who, who got the new house, who got the new this, the that, the promotion, the job, the, the, gotten what's cool. I mean, are, are we really rejoicing? we go, why did they get that? I, I should deserve that. I've done more than they should. And all of a sudden, that covetousness, which I think kind of wraps up most of the sins in the Bible, I want it because I don't got it. What can I do to get it? And the merchants and the kings and the sailors all stand off. Verse 11, the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. It's all about financial gain. Because when Babylon is gone, and in verses 12 and 13, it makes this long list of all these things that you can't buy anymore. And it's from silver to spices to souls. Because slavery still going on then. And none of it is to be anymore. And the merchants and the sailors, the kings weep. And they stand at a distance. Because verse 17 says, In one hour, such a great wrath has been brought to ruin. Every sea captain and all who travel on the ship, the sailors and all who earn their living from the sea will stand far off. When they see the smoke of her burning, they, they will exclaim, who, "Who was there ever a city like this great city? And they'll throw dust on their heads and, and weeping and mourning and crying out, whoa, 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 great city, where all who had ships on the sea became rich through your, your wealth. In one hour she has been brought to ruin. Uh, the great city has brought profit to many, but not, not much affection it's all about the money. And God says in verse 20, rejoice over this truth. Rejoice that Babylon is now going to be destroyed. Oh, heaven, it says. Rejoice, saints and apostles and prophets. God has judged her for her way. She's treated you. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone. Remember Matthew 18, the millstone. And threw it into the sea and said, With such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. Now, Millstone, if you don't know what Millstone is, it was usually... four or five foot tall, it could be a foot thick, very heavy. And it was that made out of stone, so it would grind, they put grain in it, break up the grain and go in a circle. So it was, it was huge. And So you imagine this angel picking up the stone and throwing it, and just the, the, the splash and the wave that was created. That's what's gonna happen. So rejoice, everyone. And it's not just saying rejoice, it's this outcry of saying, justice has finally been done. You've been crying since Genesis. When, when, when are you going to do justice? David, when are you going to do justice? The saints under the, near the altar, when are you going to bring about justice? Justice has been served because God is the ultimate avenger. Psalm 94.1, I just read that this week in my devotion. All of a sudden, there is verse 1. Oh Lord, the God who avenges. O oh God who avenges, shine for Deuteronomy 32.35 It is mine to avenge. I will repay. In due time, their foot will slip. The day of disaster is near, and their doom rushes upon them. Romans 12, 19. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, because he's better at it than you. Now, I know I'm pretty good at it. I mean, I, I can think of someone, dang good things to do if you cross me. I mean, my brain will go cuckoo crazy for Cocoa Puffs of what to do. I mean, if you look in the parking lot out here, you've got lines where people, there was a group of, what, 30 trucks that showed up out here on a Saturday. And we have it all on camera. And now I know who you are. I know who you are. Just let you know. That stand out here and they they were from some club and they just did burnouts. That's why you see all throughout the, this wasn't our youth doing burnouts in the parking lot. This is this truck club that got out there and did it, tore up parts of the, on purpose tore up parts of the parking lot. And I'm telling you, I've been looking for trucks for weeks. I mean, I have stopped Took pictures of truck. I found one in Lola. This is it. I'm outside people are looking. Why is he taking I'm taking pictures of the truck and the license plate? We got the video to to the police department. Destruction of property. I've thought of bad things. Now when I find out when you live where you live, I'm gonna pull up in my truck and burn out on your grass until you got nothing left and say, you're welcome. Horizon says thank you. And move on. That's what I want to do. God's better at it than me. So I pray wheels fall off and transmissions blow up and, you know, stuff like that, which can happen as well. But I do know who you are now from the first service because your name was given to me. It's on my phone. Just say it. If you're listening, God's coming. Not just a kid, I don't know. God can do whatever he wants, it's a parking lot. But when this millstone comes in, when it's thrown down, Babylon disappears. God is the ultimate avenger. And it ends up with Revelation 18, 22, 24 which is is really a sad passage. The music of the harpists and musicians, the flute players and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No workman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of the millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of the lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride, there ain't going to be no parties, will never be heard in you. Your merchants were the world's great men. By your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. In her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and of all who have been killed on the earth. All is now gone because God fulfills his promise. It's never in our timing. Our, God's timing is rarely our time. But his timing is always perfect. He knows what he's doing. Babylon is finally thoroughly destroyed. All the scriptures of the Old Testament talk about it. All the scriptures of the New Testament. Now chapter 18 says it's gone. For God is the ultimate avenger. So takeaways from chapter 18 are this. One, God wins. We know the end of the story, guys. And when it just gets crazy, we just got to keep focus on it, okay? God still wins. And the questions I have, and it's in your notes this way, is just in what way is God calling you out of compromise with the world? That's why God was calling us believers out of Babylon, leave there, because that's what the world does. It compresses you and molds you. That's what Romans 12 says no longer be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind because that's what the world does. It conforms you. How is the world conforming you? In what ways has the teeth of materialism grabbed into you that I want more, I want more? I'm not saying it's bad to have stuff. But sometimes we need to ask the question, do I really need that much more? It's not that whether I can, it's whether I should. Do we ask that question? I'm not saying God's against us having things, all right? I enjoy having things. I enjoy getting to do what I get to do. I mean, I got tools, built a project yesterday. I work on that project today. I mean, I love the fact that I can do that. It's not that he's against those things, but how much do those things have of me? Do I own it or does it own me? second thing my guilty are you guilty of the sins of babylon pride self-gratification and self-sufficiency that i don't need anything you know i pull myself by my by my own bootstraps I, you know god didn't give it to me i made it made it myself i did everything on my own and how do i know what area do i need to address in my life and lastly, in what ways do you need to allow God to be the ultimate avenger in your life? Now that I know the name, now I know where he lives. Do I, do I drive by the house today? Slowly? Um, do I do what I need to do because what they did was destruction of property? Um do I take matters in my own homes that I really want to do He wakes up in the morning all his tires are flat that's the beginning uh, I got a blow gun that shoots a long distance <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do that I'm just saying what I thought from the first service till now how fast my mind goes Tim what are you going to let God take care of that? all right I'll send it to the police station. They can they can do their job. This whole thing is still back to the question. Will I be radiant and ready just to inform us? So how can I take this Revelation 18 and apply it to my life today? Let me pray. Father, um, you got us dressed. You got us here. So you're not done with us yet. So I pray that you would... Help us to know, one, why we're still here. There's something that we're supposed to be doing. What lessons can we learn from your word? How can we apply that to our family, with our friendships, and our schools, and our workplaces? That you get the glory. Father, help us be radiant and ready. Help us teach our children and our grandchildren those things. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, next week we'll be in Revelation 19 where the fun begins. You know, that whole Jesus dipping his, his uh, robe and blood. So guys, we'll see you next week. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org.